Hello, and welcome to First to 15, the official podcast of USA Fencing. I'm your host, Brian Wendell, and in this show, you're going to hear from some of the most inspiring, interesting, and insanely talented people in this sport we all love. First to 15 is for anyone in the fencing community, and even for those just checking out fencing to see what it's all about. So whether you're an Olympian or Paralympian, a newcomer, a seasoned veteran, a fencing parent, a fan, or anyone else in this wonderful community, this podcast is for you. With that, let's get to today's episode. Enjoy! Today's guest is a true difference maker in the fencing world, someone who has not only made impressive strides in the sport, but is using her passion to break barriers and make fencing accessible to all. We're talking about Emerson Runyons, a 16-year-old A-rated epee fencer who's been honing her skills for the past seven years at a number of different clubs, including her current one, which is the Pegasus Sword Academy in Dallas, Texas. Emerson's a two-time All-American and All-Academic First Team member and a member of the 2021-22 and 22-23 Cadet National Team. Beyond her fencing achievements, Emerson has poured her heart into community service. We love to see that. She's worked with multiple organizations like Best Buddies, Kinetic Games, Special Olympics, Friday Night Friends, and more. So what sets her apart? Well, she recently planned, developed, and executed a six-week adapted fencing camp for children with cerebral palsy. This was part of her Girl Scout Gold Award project, which she called Fencing for All. And she's made it her mission to bring fencing to children of all physical abilities and hopes to actually introduce fencing into the Special Olympics one day. So without further ado, let's learn more about her inspiring journey, her work, and her vision for fencing. Welcome to the podcast, Emerson. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. And thank you for being here. Can you walk us through your journey into fencing? How did you get started? I guess it was about seven years ago. And what sparked your interest into joining this sport? Yeah, so I started when I was 10 years old. And growing up, you know, I tried many other sports, but nothing really seemed to stick with me. And then one day, my mom, she was talking to my neighbor and she'd been a fencer. So she just kind of threw fencing out there to me. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. And I attended this camp at a recreation center near me. And like, as soon as I tried it, it clicked and I knew that it was a sport I wanted to continue doing. That's awesome. Have you gone back to that neighbor and said, hey, by the way, I'm still doing this now. I'm still fencing like after this introduction happened? No, unfortunately, they moved away. <laughs> well, if they're listening, Emerson is still fencing. Great job. And yeah, it's crazy how people get introduced to the sport. I, I love that. So when you think of yourself when you started, when you first took that class to today, how do you think you've grown as a fencer and just as a human being? Yeah, I think fencing has definitely taught me the importance of hard work because it's a sport where what you put into it is what you get out of it. And so, you know, it's also taught me how to win, but and how to appreciate those wins, but it's also taught me how to lose and how to gain from those losses. And I've been able to use these lessons both on and off the strip. And what's something you're proud of about your development now that you're an A-rated fencer? Like, how did you get there? And what does it take to achieve that goal? I'd say something that I'm most proud of is that is the community that I've kept throughout my journey. And I've stuck with the same people, well, a lot of the same people from beginning to end. And so they've also got to see me grow as a fencer. 
Do you have like a blueprint in your mind for how you became an A-rated fencer? Like what's the the secret to mastering this sport? I think that just showing up and putting in the work every day, even when you don't feel like it, that's really important. But also knowing when to step back and not overdoing it because, you know, everybody needs breaks and just knowing that it's okay to take those days off. But I think that as long as you're enjoying it and you're putting in the work that the results you want will start to show. Yeah, that's great advice because it's fun, you know, 95% of the time, but there are going to be some days where it's like, man, is this, why am I doing this? And you might have that self-doubt, but you got to keep going and push through that, it sounds like, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially when you have your off days, like, you know, it's okay that, and that not everyone's going to perform their best every single day. And it's just like part of the process. When I remember all the way back to my high school years, I just remember it being like, so busy and like every single second felt like it was booked with something. So how do you balance fencing and your academic life? And then not to mention all the other stuff that's not in either of those categories. Yeah. So the most important thing for me was learning how to manage my time because I was a bit of a procrastinator. Yeah. I think time management, and I think that's how it is with most student athletes and just like getting my priorities straight. And using the most of my time and the most of my resources, like sometimes on the way to the club, I'll do my homework in the car or, you know, I'll eat dinner on the way back from the club. But I also think that, you know, no matter how productive you are, you're still going to have to miss out on certain aspects of life. Like everybody wants to hang out with their friends after school or like go to Friday night football games. But if you have to do like a bunch of missing homework because you went to a knack the weekend before, then you're going to have to make that sacrifice. And I think just coming to terms with that, because fencing also brings you so many new opportunities that you would never get to experience otherwise. So I think that just realizing that that's something that you're going to have to do is really important. Yeah, great advice. And when you're in Texas, that's a difficult choice to to miss those Friday night football games for a fencing tournament, right? So you, you got to make that decision. I hear you there. So we have to talk about your project, the Fencing for All project. And like we said in the intro, the camp for children with cerebral palsy. So what made you want to choose this project for your gold award? And we should say that's the the highest award you can get in Girl Scouts. And it's a huge honor. A lot of work goes into it. What made you want to pick that project? Yeah. So this project holds a really special place in my heart because one of my closest friends, she has cerebral palsy. And when we were younger, she participated in the Miracle League, which is an organization kind of like Special Olympics that holds adapted sports. And so I remember her telling me about how excited she was when she came home from her soccer games. And I knew that I wanted to bring this joy to other kids. And so I carried out this project through Girl Scouts. And like for a lot of people, you know, they'll build benches in the park or they'll help collect blankets for an animal shelter, which is super cool. But I wanted to make mine a little bit more personal and something that I was super passionate about. Yeah. So from the beginning, I kind of knew that I wanted to base it around fencing, but I wasn't exactly sure how to do it. You know, I thought of doing it at retirement homes, but I think, and I thought of a lot of other ideas, but I think the one that stood out to me the most was working with kids with disabilities. I mean, we have an amazing para-fencing community, but I wanted to bring it to a more recreational population. Because like a lot of these kids, they probably couldn't do competitive parafencing, you know, because they can't extend their arms fully or they weren't able to move their upper body completely freely. And so I thought that 
this is a population who may otherwise never get the chance to do it. So I wanted to bring it to them. How cool. I love that. So what was the planning process like? Because something that's unique about the the Gold Award project is that you can't really get like an adult's help here with the nitty gritty details. It's all on you to plan it, develop it, um, which is part of the idea, but it also means it's super challenging and time consuming, I imagine. What was that planning like? So, I mean, Girl Scouts, they have kind of a framework that you follow, which kind of kept me on track. But other than that, yeah, I was completely by myself. And they have resources that you can reach out to. Yeah, you're not on your own, but you are the one in charge. And it only happens if you're doing the work, right? Yeah. So it started out with researching and I was, you know, reaching out to all these organizations. And the one that stood out to me right away was 1CP Sports Plus. And this organization is run by Mr. James Arnold. And it stood out to me because he's a PT. And I wanted to make sure that I was getting all these movements down in a safe way and in a safe environment because I didn't want to be adapting them the wrong way or anything like that. And so also seeing how all of his other camps were fun and just the environment in general, like he had music playing and all the kids were just smiling the whole time. And so I knew that that was the organization I wanted to run with. So had he done anything related to fencing before or was that kind of a new experience? No, that was a new experience. He was super excited about it. I kind of got to teach him along with the kids. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, teaching them all the different techniques. That's awesome. I love that. I kind of started fundraising. Before I had the exact plan for the camp, I knew that I was going to need the equipment. Yeah, so I started fundraising and I kind of had a unique approach to this. I have a bearded dragon and so he eats dubia roaches. But dubia roaches also make a lot of money in the reptile world if you sell their colonies. And so I was able to get a lot of fundraising from selling dubia colonies. Okay, that's wild. Yeah, it is. I also received a lot of fundraising from family and friends, which I'm super, super thankful for. But once I'd fundraised, I was able to reach out to Blue Gauntlet and they were able to help me get a discounted price on all the equipment, which really helped. Then I kind of started planning the camps and this was a little before the camp and then in between each week of it. And, you know, I was... I began writing up my lesson plans and coming up with new ideas for the next week. And each week I would go there like half an hour early and I would review it with Mr. James and he would give me feedback based on prior camps and what he thought the participants could do. And yeah, and then also I reached out to a lot of people in the fencing community and they were able to help me come up with new ideas to keep the camp interesting and to keep it fun. Nice. So I find that really interesting. And I also appreciate that adapting a sport like fencing to a wider range of abilities probably presented some challenges. So what were some of the modifications you made to ensure that that this specific audience would have a great experience in fencing? Yeah, there was definitely a wide range of abilities. You know, we had one kid, he was an amazing baseball player and he actually played for his school's team. And then we had another kid And even though she couldn't physically participate, she showed up at every single practice. And so I think with this balance between, you know, ambulatory and non-ambulatory kids, it definitely took a lot of pre-planning. And I'd say for each movement that I taught, I had a few different options for people. So for example, for advancing, I would teach it as a step forwards, 
while showing the correct form. But I would teach it as a step forwards. And then for everyone in wheelchairs, I would teach it as a roll forwards, a short roll forwards. And so, you know, everyone was able to follow along when I said advance. And yeah, same went for ducking. You know, some kids could go down all the way. Some could just bend their knees a little bit. And then people who were sitting or in wheelchairs, they were able to just kind of lean their torso over. And so everyone was on the same page when I said one movement. I think that planning and talking it over with like my mentors and the people around me, that was really the number one key. And Mr. James, he was able to come up with ways to relate it to past sports So for example, they'd done martial arts a few months back. And when I was teaching parrying, he was relating it to blocking. And then when I was teaching extending, he would relate it to striking. And I think that the kids were able to pick up on it much quicker. Oh, that's smart. Put it in the context of something that was recently experienced. Yeah, I love that. That's really smart. And it sounds like you became like a fencing coach. So maybe once your fencing career is done, or even while you're still fencing, maybe there's another uh, opportunity for you. That's awesome. So what were some of the things that you learned from hosting this, this camp? What were some of your key takeaways? Yeah, I definitely took away a lot from this camp. When I went in, I kind of thought it was going to be a one-way learning experience. Like I was going to be teaching the kids how to fence, but I think I actually learned more from them. Every day, the kids, they were just like, they were so happy to be there and they were just so trusting of what I was saying. And, you know, they were willing to try their best and they were willing to try anything that I told them. But I also think my confidence, it definitely improved throughout the camp. I remember the first night driving there, I was so, so scared. Like, I was like, I was like hoping for there to be a tornado so I wouldn't have to do it. After I got started and got going, it went way better than I thought it was going to be. And on the drive home, I remember I couldn't stop smiling the whole way home. And so, yeah, I think after that first night, my confidence changed a lot, not only at that camp, but also in all aspects of life. That's so great. Do you have a specific memory or story from the camp that really demonstrates the value and the work that you put in and and the impact that you were having? Let's see. I'd say my favorite memory was definitely the last day of camp. Because I was able to bring in two very special guests from the Fencing Institute of Texas, Erin Carroll and Mary Matson, And they came in and they got to talk to the kids and they also got to fence with all of them. And so in this final practice, there was this mix of all these abilities. And I was just able to see how much the kids had learned at the beginning of the week. Like I didn't think that they were going to be able to retain that much information but they, they blew me away. And I remember just, you know, looking at the room of all these people fencing. And I was like, wow, like I, I really did this camp. And fencing was able to bring all these people together. Yeah, you think back to when it was just an idea and you were thinking like, what route do I even go? Is this make sense at like a retirement community or whatever, right? And then to come there, what was the reaction from the fencers and parents once the camp was over. Did people come up to you as they left and say anything? Yeah, we actually had a little award ceremony. Everyone got a little fencing water bottle and a certificate. And they were all telling me, you know, I like got to talk with each one of them before we left. Most of the days of the camp, we all kind of did that. But yeah, they were able they were able to tell me how much they enjoyed it and that it really meant a lot to me. Oh, that is so good. The project is officially over and your gold award project is is done. So technically it's done, but are you 
planning to do anything else in the future with this fencing for all program? Like, is there, is there a future for it? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I already have a few plans in the works, kind of continuing on the same path as my gold award. I'd like to kind of create a manual for others to follow if they're looking to bring fencing to this type of population in their community. Because, you know, my main goal is to spread the program to more people so that they can carry it out at their own clubs or in their own states. And you've already got some of that created because your project plan that you had to make with your gold award packet, I assume, included some of those details. So it's not as if you're just starting from zero. You've already got a lot of that created and can just maybe add in some key takeaways from the experience itself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I have all my lesson plans. I need to clean them up a little bit because they don't really make much sense to other people. But I think that kind of polishing that and like putting it out into the community, that's a goal that I have for the short term. And then I'm also hoping to bring it to Camp Independence, which is a camp in St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri, next summer. It's like a week-long camp full of sports for kids with cerebral palsy. So I've talked with them, and I think that that's something in the works. So they don't offer fencing right now, but they would say, hey, Emerson, if you can come up and help us run this, then we could offer fencing next summer. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that would be so cool. Yeah, they're super excited about fencing. And then I also work with this organization. I've worked with them a few times in the past called Friday Night Friends. And basically it provides respite care to families who have children with both physical and cognitive disabilities. And I was talking to the owner one night. I was telling her about my gold award. She was like, oh, that would be awesome if we could have something like that on Friday, like on a, like on a special Friday or once a month, you know? And I was like, yeah, that's also something that's being planned right now. Every time I'm like talking to these organizations, I think that I'm just getting more and more opportunities to bring this sport to more people. And then in the long, long, long term, it, my goal would be to bring fencing to the Special Olympics. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because that seems like a lofty and ambitious goal in, in a good way. What would that process even be? Have you looked into, you know, how sports have been added to the Special Olympics in the past or what? type of steps would be uh, in your way to getting there? Yeah, I've started looking at it. I haven't gone in depth a lot, but I've definitely looked at the surface level. But I think, you know, starting locally is what everyone has said, just starting with, you know, schools, like your school Special Olympics or your district Special Olympics. And then just also those connections with other organizations. That's what people have said is really helpful. So stuff that you're already talking about doing and, and doing anyway. Yeah. Gotcha. Nice. Very good. But I think, you know, just like starting at my school or my community level and then just being able to bring it up to to national or even international. Yeah. And maybe it'll actually work the other way around where you'll be doing such great things that you get on their radar and, and they're like, you know, what would it take to get fencing in this in this venue as well? That's that's really cool. What's on the horizon next for you? I mean, you're, you're 16, you've had successful fencing career, academic career, Girl Scout Gold Award recipient, all these, all these things. What's next for you, maybe outside of this Fencing for All program and, and its next steps? Yeah, so athletically, I would love to make it to the junior national team this upcoming year. And then I would also love to compete collegiately. I plan to go to college. My main interest right now is engineering, specifically biomedical engineering. And I think 
you know, also, I just want to keep working with this population of, of kids and even bring it into adults. And yeah, I just want to keep working with them and then bring it to more and more organizations. How about lastly, like what advice do you have for, you know, fellow young people who want to do something that really makes an impact like this and break through in something that they're passionate about instead of just sitting there saying, wouldn't it be nice if they actually do it like you've done? I think the number one thing that helped me was just reaching out to people, like reaching out to anyone and everyone, basically. (laughs) Um, Even if you don't have an exact plan for what you want to do or what you want to create yet, it's a lot easier for the ideas to come, you know, once you're collaborating with these people and, you know, once like the ball has started rolling. And so I think like also don't be afraid to reach out to people who inspire you because they can also become your mentors. And I feel like, you know, the fencing community, it's really tight knit and people are always willing to help you. But yeah, I'd say that if you're passionate about it, then you should just go for it and have fun along the way. Yeah, that's great. Because in addition to making an impact, it seems like this journey has made an impact on you as well, which is, uh, which is great to see. Well, Emerson Runyons, this has been a real treat to have you, and it's an inspiring story, and and the work that you're doing is is so great to see. I, I hadn't heard of anything like that happening within fencing, and I was like, we've got to get her on the podcast. So I'm glad you were able to join, and best of luck in your fencing career, your academic career, and um, your social good career, I guess we could call it. So thank you so much, Emerson, and best wishes to you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to First to 15, the official podcast of USA Fencing. We'll be back with our next conversation in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, you can stay up to date on all the latest fencing news by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you like this podcast, please help us grow and reach more people by leaving us a rating or review. Until next time, I'm Brian Wendell, and I hope to see you real soon out on the strip. Bye. Bye.